episode 58. I'm Jessica Duffin and this podcast is all about living and thriving with endometriosis. This episode is sponsored by my friends at BU. BU patches are naturally made patches that, like a plaster, stick onto your abdomen or lower back and deliver soothing relief to painful cramps with natural essential oils. As you might have guessed from all the reviews I've shared, BU period patches are proven to be hugely popular in the endo community. And as a result, the BU team have been getting great feedback about how they best work for the community. The patches are most commonly used in the morning before work or school and in the evenings before bed so that people with endo or painful periods can be prepared for the day ahead or get a better night's sleep uninterrupted by pain. If you're anything like me and your periods come at night, these patches might make all the difference and they they certainly do for me. They help me sleep through, whereas before I'd wake up in pain. They come in a pack of five, so they should last for the majority of your period and you can subscribe to get them every month. They're $6.99 for a pack or $4.99 if you go for a subscription. To shop, just head to the link in my show notes and start soothing period cramps the natural way. This episode is also sponsored by my free guide, Managing Endometriosis Naturally. This guide is perfect for anyone just starting out on this journey of managing and reducing their symptoms. This 16-page guide takes you through the natural treatment options and holistic lifestyle changes that I made to begin reducing my symptoms. If you're feeling overwhelmed by which type of complementary therapy to choose from or you're a bit confused by the endometriosis diet, this guide could really help you to get a good overview and allow you to begin taking steps to feeling better. As always, this guide doesn't replace your medical treatment and it's not intended to treat or cure endometriosis but it does provide you with options that helped me to live well with endometriosis so you can begin experimenting or finding out what works for you. To download just head to the show notes and follow the link and you can get your free copy. So I've obviously been doing quite a lot on the nutrition side of things and I just want to spend some time over the next few weeks kind of talking about lifestyle And one of the key parts of living with endo that I struggle with is my social life. And it's interesting. I watched um, I watched a talk by Brene Brown recently talking about vulnerability and when you should share. And I've also kind of heard other people talk about this, that you shouldn't really share necessarily a struggle until you have something that you can kind of offer at the end of it not in the context of like oh you shouldn't talk about like you shouldn't talk to people if you need help but more like sharing it publicly like this because it could be burdening the person that you share it with so that's not what I want to do I don't want to kind of offload my story to you guys and that's going to then have a negative effect on you because you're feeling like, oh yeah, just is right, it's really hard. You know, I can never see my friends. Like I'm not trying to create that knock-on effect. But what I do want to do is share with you my struggles and what I'm learning to change. And hopefully that will be giving you some 
um, positives and so and some proactive tips and some inspiration and some hope for making changes and experiencing more joy in your social life. Where to start? My social life has been a real challenge over the past several years. It wasn't always. Um, I was I was always quite a social person. I grew up with a lot of different friendship groups and that was lovely but has become much more of a challenge as I've grown up and a lot of those relationships have have continued to exist. I find that kind of the foundation of my issues with um, my social life is that I don't at present have the capacity to balance my career, my social life and my health and all of the other things that you have to do in life. Um, That's kind of like a really basic breakdown but I kind of just about have the capacity, no, I'm struggling to balance my health and my career, Um, especially as I have been writing this cookbook this year. It's really, you know, balancing that is really difficult. And so my friendships have not fallen to the wayside, but my social life definitely has. And this has been like... um, an increasing problem over the past couple of years, but has been made more prominent since our move to Margate. Um, and the reason that's become more prominent is because I try to work with my cycle. So I know that I have more energy and I'm more up for socialising in my ovulation, in my ovulatory phase. And I kind of want to be more outgoing in my pre-ovulation phase, but I burnt out when I do that I'm like not almost quite ready like I think I have the energy and then I find out that I don't and my this year I would say like my premenstrual phase has been more challenging it's been more tiring and I and I think that's you know down to the stresses we've had in our personal life and the kind of career choices that I've made this year So I try to kind of follow the, what's the word, the cycle syncing protocol that Elisa Vitti outlines in her book and that we discussed with Maisie Hill on the podcast about kind of trying to listen to your body and kind of not saying yes to everything and being cautious as to when you book in things and booking in things at like the stages when you've got the energy so when you're you know for me it will be when I'm ovulating and that's quite common for a lot of people but whereas someone who perhaps doesn't have endometriosis and who doesn't have fatigue and the various health issues that I do live with um whether or or not I'm on top of my endometriosis it it doesn't take me much to tip over into exhaustion and that I know that's because of like how hard I'm working and other things that I'll, I'll touch upon in future episodes, but my kind of perfectionist trait and my workaholic trait. Um, so I could kind of find more balance there, but it, it doesn't take a lot for me to tip over into burnout. So someone else could say like, oh, you know, I'm going to be the most busy in my ovulation phase, but I can start going, I can start going out. Um, much more in in my pre-ovulation phase 
I can continue to go out in my autumn phase, but you might just kind of adjust the things that you do. Maybe you'll do more cinema and dinner dates in um, pre-menstrual phase, autumn phase. Maybe you'll go dancing a lot more in the summer ovulation phase. Maybe in spring you'll be doing more walks and trying workshops and classes and different things like that. My my issue with being in Margate is that none of my friends are here. They're in London. And the travelling really wears me out and is also expensive um, for me at this time. I find that going up once a week is enough for me. Sometimes even every week, like once every week is too much. And then going up like twice a week or three times a week is just like I'm burnt out if I do that. So I'm going up once a week. Um, some Like I'm not actually, but like to say that that's kind of like my aim. And at one point I was going up quite a lot for work. So then I was trying to see people after work. Now I'm not someone who can do after work drinks, after work dinners. Um, I did it occasionally when I lived in London, but I just couldn't. It made me tired the next day. I don't have the best sleep and I don't have the most robust energy levels. So going out at night and coming in at nine or 10 and then getting ready for bed, getting to bed by 11 is just, it just tires me out because I I then have to spend like an hour or two getting to sleep. Um, Whereas now I'm in Margate, if I try to have dinner um, after work with friends and say I get even the eight o'clock train say if I leave them at eight by the time I get to the station get on my train it's probably you know half an hour 40 minutes to an hour later depending on where I am then I've got a two-hour train journey then I've got to walk home and then I've got to get ready for bed so I'm getting to bed at like midnight sometimes one o'clock depending on what train I've managed to get um and I'm pretty screwed the next day and I feel the repercussions for a couple of days. And if I do that repeatedly, I kind of get continuously burnt out. So I'm trying to go up more at weekends as well. But then that's also meaning I'm going up during the weekend at the weekends. Um, and financially, that is challenging and also more also taxing on my body as well but it does mean that I'm able to be more present with my friends when I'm there I'm able to have longer with them I don't have to worry too much about the trains or what time I get home but because I'm trying to preserve my energy I'm getting like because I am getting burnt out doing these traveling uh these journeys and because I am getting a bit more burnt out this year But I'm not a stranger to being burnt out. This is a repeated pattern that I've had since I was a child. So it's clearly something that's not just like, it's not just physical for me. It's a mental thing. I don't know when to stop. And I need to practice what I preach, clearly. Um, But it's more prominent this year. It's kind of happening more frequently. I would say kind of like on a monthly basis, to be honest, like these mini burnouts and then I spend like the month recovering and then I burn out again. Um, So because I'm aware of this, I'm being even more cautious with my time. So I'm like not going up during, well, I'm trying not to go up 
to London during my menstrual cycle. I'm trying not to go up during my autumn phase. Um, I'm being more cautious around my spring phase because I find out that find that if I go out and do something really active during my spring phase, then I have a really bad ovulation and that I like ovulatory phase and I don't get the benefits that I often feel during ovulation. During ovulation, spring and ovulation for me can be really rewarding. I can have high energy. Um, I am more active. I can do more intense workouts. My mind is on fire. I'm really creative. Um, my work is just on point. I'm just, I just feel really good. Um, I do get a little bit of ovulation pain. It's not terrible. I've noticed it being a little bit more, I don't know, it's, it's, it's been on the increase a little bit this year, um, but it's not, it doesn't really bother me. I think it's probably to do with my pelvic floor muscles being quite tight and just ha- having like some issues. It's less to do with inflammation and diet and actually more to do with the, with the pelvic floor muscles in the area. And I need to, I need to see a pelvic floor therapist when I have a bit more of an, uh, a higher income. Anyway, but other than that, I feel really, really good. And it's a time that I get the most done with my work and it kind of, it brings a higher quality to my life and everything that I do. And as a result, that's really precious to me. So going out, if I notice that my spring phase, if I'm being too active in that and then it's having repercussions on my obligatory phase, my summer phase, then I'm going to scale it back a bit. So I'm doing a lot of preservation at the moment and it's basically leading me to have quite a restrictive life in terms of my social life. And to be honest, it is sucking a lot of joy out of my life. And that feels like a very big absence in my life. So what I have been tending to do then is kind of being present for the important things. Um, present for launch parties of friend businesses or birthday parties or baby showers or weddings or um, you know just kind of the big things or if my a friend really needs me they've had something going on and for some people that wouldn't be like a massive problem because they could like talk on the phone they could text but I'm going to do another episode on this, but I work like really hard to maintain my health in terms of like not getting ill um, and not having an endo flare up. Fatigue, digestion and kind of hormonal balance is a continuous like basically I really need to throw myself all in to address those and I haven't had the time to do that. And I think I need some kind of like emotional work around that as well, especially with like the fatigue. Like I need to see a therapist to kind of help me unpack this addiction to work and kind of constant productivity Um, for me to really be able to address the fatigue. I can kind of get my energy balanced through my like balance and my hormones and eating right. But if I can't, Deal, if I can't address this cycle of burnout that I get myself into, then I'm always going to be battling with fatigue. I I manage those to the degree that I can at this time. And 
you know, I work on my immune health and my levels of inflammation to get down my pain. And that takes constant work for me. And in order to to um, make enough money and to do my job well, both as a freelance writer and content creator and also as, you know, the kind of person behind this endo life, I have to like create these like rituals and s- routines that kind of get me as sharp as I as I can be. So that means like not looking at my phone during the day. Um, I can't engage in conversation during the day. I'm just not that type of person. I can't be texting throughout the day. Like I'm not going to get enough work done. It also triggers my anxiety because I'm like, I'm texting this person and I should be doing this. And I work in kind of like increments of like um, the most kind of the best way to work, like for productivity is 50, 50 minutes at a time and then take a break, actually 52 minutes. But, you know, you could round that up to 50, round that down. And I listen to focus music. Um, It's a specific app called Brain FM. The music is terrible, to be honest, but it's I I can't really explain how it works correctly, like but creates like brain waves that put you in a really focused mindset and it helps with my brain fog so much you know I have a morning ritual and a morning routine um and different things that I do throughout the day that keep me energized and focused and motivated and positive um help battle my mental health because I I do feel like every day it's kind of like who's gonna win today depression and anxiety or Jess and most of the time I win but it requires me to be on form to do that that's the reality like it sounds really really hard and it can be but also it's just part of my life and actually like in this context of like how I'm struggling with my social life it sounds too restrictive and it sounds or it might sound too restrictive and it might sound too regimented to some of you but actually, I really fry from these. Like the quality of life that it's brought to my days have been, has been invaluable. The level of clarity I've got from my brain when it just wasn't working, you know, it, it was just so fogged. And now I feel like, oh, I'm, I could be a normal person. The energy that it's brought to my day, um, the kind of work that I've been capable of doing, the presence that I've been able to have in my day, the presence in my relationships that I've been able to have when I'm there, um, you know, in front of someone or just in a meeting or on a phone call, all of these things, it's it's changed, it's boosted my self-esteem around what I'm capable of doing. Like I took a real harsh knock when I left my last employer. Um, and so seeing what I've been capable of by through changing my routine and creating habits um has been really invaluable to my confidence and my self-esteem so it's boosted me massively but it means that um in order to maintain my career and my health I have not been able to be that kind of person who can text throughout the day or has time to message at night or have a phone call at night because you know I'm also studying so I'm finishing work and um then I'm you know making dinner washing up after dinner 
and then starting my course and then I might have I'm up until recently I'll be finishing the course at nine half nine and then I'm getting ready for bed and then I'm like I try to be in bed by 10 it doesn't always happen but I try so that's that's my evening gone and because I do still have challenges with my fatigue I can't get up any earlier than seven so it's not like I can do that like oh I'm gonna do from 5 a.m till 7 a.m studying I have to do it in the evening um but I am working on changing that at the moment I've actually kind of switched up my routine which I'll get to later on in this episode so I've not had time to get back to messages or have phone calls and this has been a pattern throughout all my life because even when I haven't felt massively unwell I've always been very very busy with my work and I've just kind of had constantly people saying that I'm not there enough and it's not that I don't want to be but I just don't know how to do it all um and I think that a lot of people feel the same and maybe you can't relate to the fact that maybe I'm studying and I'm self-employed um but perhaps you have a really demanding job and in order to keep up with that job you have to go to sleep when you get home or you you can just about manage the kids and your job and your health is in a complete state so the only time that you have outside of the kids and your work is for self-care and that self-care right now looks like sleeping and turning your phone off and not talking to anyone I don't know what your situation is but I think some of you might be able to relate to this juggling of endo and the rest of your life um, most people have a hard time juggling life in general when we've got endo added on I walk around with this constant sense of guilt and overwhelm that I'm not enough, I'm not a good enough daughter, a good enough granddaughter, a good enough aunt, a good enough um, cousin, a good enough partner, a good enough best friend, a good enough friend, a good enough employee. It's a bit more complicated because there's loads of divorces in my family. I'm just trying to think who's not divorced. I've got one aunt and uncle who's not divorced and I have a massive family and kind of nearly every conversation I have with my family members is I never see you I'm not gonna I don't see you enough this kind of thing and I think there's a responsibility on their side as well with that but it rests heavy on me especially because I'm not actually the in some in some ways I am I'm really protective over my like my younger cousins super protective and even my cousins who are the same age like I you know I adore them but I my family is very very complicated and I grew up with in in the in a broken home and there's a lot of baggage there so in order to protect myself I do have to have boundaries around how much I see my family so it's not like if endo didn't exist and I wasn't so preoccupied with studying and work that I would see them every week I wouldn't I think the conflict is that they want to see me more than I can emotionally take on in order to protect myself at the same time I do want to be able to see them more and be there for them more but then I can't 
maybe not to the extent that they would be happy with, but I do want to be present, more present. But then um, I don't know how to do that. I don't have the capacity to do that. And it's not like I can just book days off. As a self-employed person, every day that I don't work, I'm not making money. And there are ways to obviously change that as your business grows for people who are interested in going self-employed. You know, you could create like a, a product or something that is making you money without you necessarily having to work actively on it in that moment. But at this time, like my paid work is on an hourly fee or an, kind of like an exchangeable fee. Like I write an article and I get paid, that kind of thing. So it's not like I can just create more time like that time is going to be taken out of something and that would be my income um and as I've mentioned to you guys before because I've made quite drastic changes in order to manage my endometriosis I have um taken a massive 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 pay cut so I am in the process of trying to rebuild my salary so that Chris and I can do the things that we want in our life and have a better quality of life. So it's important. It's one. It's important to me to be able to build that build that up. Um, so it's complicated. It's so so complicated, and that extends to my friends as well. Though I don't obviously have the same emotional issues that I have with my family as my friends. Um, my friends are my chosen family, and they get me and bring me so much joy and um I would love to see them more you know I would love to see my friends every week but I just am currently at a real it would be much easier if I was in London but living away from them it's like so much more of a, of a commitment I can't just go for brunch you know it's like I've got to be all there there all day to make the most out of it and try and see a couple of people in one day and then you kind of I come home exhausted and another thing you know I mentioned um earlier on is that I grew up with quite a few different social groups and some of those are you know I have like super super best friends amongst those um and then friends who aren't necessarily in my close circle but I still see and none of them are big groups. They're literally like one person or two people or three people. So trying to rotate and make sure you see everyone and then see all of my divorced family members and spend time with my partner and try to spend some time on my own and look after myself whilst also like studying at the weekend and often working at the weekend is just like mind blown not sure how to do it and so it's a healthy person would be like right I see that group that week and that person that evening and next week I see that group and next week you know and that's just how it would work for them but I can't operate like that right now but I know that it is so important not just like first it's important because I love these people and I want to show up I want to be I'm not trying to beat myself up or or um, try to make any of you guys feel guilty. I don't want to feel guilty and I sure as hell don't want you guys to feel guilty. But I would like to be more present in my relationships. I would like to be 
able to call my friend in the evening and have a chat and find out how their week's been um, or, you know, be more supportive to my mum as she goes through a tough time and my dad, like both of them, you know, just I would like to show up and be more present for the people in my life. I want to support them better. And equally, I want to have that joy of being with them and that fun of being with them. And we love these people, right? Right. We want to spend time with the people we love. And on a kind of social, biological, social, so physiological scale. Oh, fuck it. On a biological scale, we are programmed to be around people. We evolved in tribes. We feel safer amongst people. We thrive amongst people. It's better for our well-being. It's better for our mental health. Um, there are numerous studies showing the negative impact of isolation and loneliness and numerous studies on showing the positive impact on our health on being around people. It's better for the world that we're connected to each other and we're supporting each other, of course, and it's better for ourselves and it's better for each other. We even as women deal with or assigned females birth, assigned females birth individuals, we deal with stress better when we are supported by a close group of females um that's how we work as females or signed um females birth individuals um so and even women and assigned female birth individuals actually um i don't know if this would be the same if you were taking testosterone if you were trans, I'm not sure. But we get a boost of happy hormones when we talk to other females. When we're chatting with other females, when we're having that good, like, heart-to-heart, like, you know what I mean, like, that juicy, just talk about everything in life. You know you know, when you walk away, you feel really good, and in it, you just, like, you think one thing after another and your brain is just suddenly on fire and you just have this overwhelming sense of love and well-being that's because your brain is releasing happy hormones it's good for us we thrive off those conversations and I'm not getting that and there are a couple of really close friends in my life that I adore and I'm just not seeing them enough. And we miss each other greatly. And they're really busy as well. We're all kind of busy on a different level. But they do have a bit more time to be able to to see me. And I need to prioritize trying to work out how I'm going to do that. Um, so the way that I'm trying to learn how to tackle this. And this is going to be a really slow process actually I just want to backtrack quickly I have noticed that I'm feeling more depressed more anxious the loneliness is horrible the isolation is horrible I don't really feel very joyful anymore I can't really remember the last time I had fun the last time I had fun would have been with like my best friend um but the last time we saw each other properly was probably in it was probably two months ago so it's not good for my well-being like I don't feel good and it doesn't surprise me that as a result 
I'm feeling more tired and more burnt out and stuff because I'm not, ha- I'm not being nourished. I'm not being replenished with good conversation and love and laughter and happiness and joy. Um, I'm just like balance health work, balance health work. Like it's just constant, a constant treadmill. Um, and we need these things, you know, managing endo is not just about eating the right foods and, getting by like my whole thing is living and thriving with endometriosis and so in order to thrive we need to feel connected to the people that we love um and it doesn't matter if you're you know if you're an introvert and you need to have time away on your own as well as one or two close friends that Whatever that level of connection is for you, even if it's connection with yourself, it's important. Just a reminder that this episode is sponsored by BU. These natural patches last for 12 hours, so they bring you prolonged relief and can begin working on relaxing your muscles before the pain kicks in. So you're prepared even if your period comes during the middle of the day. Some people even find that wearing them a night before their period can really help soothe the inflammation in the area. To shop, just head to link in my show notes. This episode is also sponsored by my free guide, Managing Endometriosis Naturally. If you don't know where to start with beginning to take a holistic approach to managing your endometriosis symptoms, then this might help you. Um, If you'd like to download it, just head to the show notes and follow the link and you can get your free copy. I can't guarantee that I'm going to be on top of this even this year, but I'm actively becoming aware of that, aware of it. And these are some of the ways that I have begun to address it. So something that really triggered me was I listened to a podcast called The Gold Gold Digger, Gold, not Gold, um, by Jenna Kutcher, and she did an episode on um friendships and being like a really busy entrepreneur and how she like makes sure she has time for friendships and one thing that she said that I thought like okay I could start there is I think she actually contacts two girlfriends a day but I think but either way she says like contact one or two friends a day like leave them a voice note say that you're thinking about them drop them a text and I have kind of withheld from doing that because I didn't want to get myself into a conversation that I didn't have time for or the mental capacity for the emotional energy for um kind of often I give so much to my work and I give so much to my health that I often don't have like the emotional energy to get into a really like deep conversation so I wasn't really doing that but I thought okay how can I start how can I start to do this and one of the ways was even just one day a week trying to swap around my study time to the morning and I have been trying to get up a bit earlier. I haven't managed it massively, 
I've been able to do it maybe by 30 minutes, 15 minutes. Um, so it has had a knock-on effect on my morning routine because I'm not able to make that extra time in the morning. And I don't really want to start work later. So because it just, I don't know, starting work later triggers my anxiety. It makes me feel like I'm playing constant catch-up. So I am, one way that I've dealt with that, instead of doing 30 minutes. So you guys heard an ex, um, an episode about my exercise routine, but I have actually changed it up since that, ex- since that episode. I was doing um, like 10 minute breaks with exercise between like my work. Then more recently, in order to get my sleep levels, to, to order to get my energy levels better and my sleep better, I've started trying to regulate my cortisol, which means I've been exercising in the morning. I've been grouping all of those things that I do, uh, all of those exercises that I do into the morning in, in a half hour session, which I've been really enjoying and it's been working really well for me. But I'm going to have to sacrifice that and sacrifice some of my other things that I do in the morning in order to do this studying. So I have then like on that day, I'm reverting back to exercising between like um, kind of bursts of work. Um, And I've done that before and that worked well for me. I'm just trying not to like let it get too late that I'm exercising because exercising in the evening or like mid-afternoon, late afternoon can like elevate our cortisol levels and keep us awake at night. And that's what I'm really trying to get away from. It's a bit of a juggling act and I'm in very early phases of of making it work. But, oh my gosh, has it been so nice to finish work and not have to learn like biology (laughs) after work when my brain is fried. So what that means is it gives me more time to read the books that I'm reading for interviews for the podcast and also the books that I've been assigned for homework in my course, but also means that I can like book in time to speak to my best friend. And it hasn't been like a huge shift yet, but I am having more conversations with my friends. And it's, yeah, and being able to like say to my mum, yeah, I can call you tonight. Whereas like for a while I've been like, I I don't know. Like I'll call her like on the train or something instead. So trying to fit in like mess like messaging one person a day is kind of just like a mindset change like trying to find the places where I can fit it in um but also adjusting my routine and kind of sacrificing a couple of things um and I don't want to completely eliminate some of those the things that I do um so I just need to spend some time thinking about how that will work but I think a short voice note is really nice because people like sometimes people don't get back to me on the same day either. So I could be like walking to the shops to pick up some dinner and I can just like leave a voice note to a friend say like, hey, I'm thinking of you, blah, blah, blah. But I'm not actually like kind of starting a conversation necessarily that they have to get back to you in that moment. So that's been quite helpful. Um, and... I used to do this, but I haven't done it enough recently, but kind of creating like a list of endo safe activities that I can do at different points in the 
month. So I've got like a couple of friends in Margate, like people who I've become friendly with and we keep trying to meet up, but I haven't really committed to it because I'm like, I don't know how to like add more friends when I can't see my current friends. So I haven't really like committed to it properly, but, and that means when I'm like here at the weekends and I'm not with Chris, like I'm just, you know, on my own at home, studying, working. And I could break that up with going to see someone for brunch. And that is something that I could quite safely do in my autumn phase or my spring phase because it's local, it's nice, it's nourishing. I'm not going to be exhausting myself. So um, spending some time working out what makes you feel good in certain phases. So Go back to my episode with Maisie Hill if you want to learn more about that. But like, you know, creating a list of those things, because I think sometimes we forget the different options that we have available to us. Um, And we just kind of get, oh, if we're not going out drinking, there's nothing else to do. And this was really interesting with a client of mine when I was doing mentoring and coaching And it seems really obvious to me because I talk about my endo all the time, but she hadn't really spoken to her friends about endo and their routine was going out on a Friday and Saturday night drinking and it was making her really sick. And I said, is there anyone that you can confide in and tell them that this is doing that, that could you start with her and could you guys create like, if you have to stay in one weekend, could she come round and have like a night in with you and watch some like nice movies? Or could you guys go to the cinema together? Or could she be your advocate and suggest in your WhatsApp group, hey, like instead of going out tonight, should we all go like for dinner or should we all go to this workshop or these kind of things? And she actually did speak to her and they kind of killed two birds with one stone. I don't like that phrase. <laughs> um, and started going swimming with this friend because she wanted to kind of incorporate some more exercise into her routine to feel more energized. And that was the start. Um, so how many of your friends like really know what's going on? And is there anyone that you can confide in who you can start to create some new social activities with you know you've got gentle walks you've got going and sitting in coffee shops checking out new health food places that where you can eat there are so many cool workshops now and classes and courses that you could do together supper clubs um you know like galleries exhibitions smaller things that you could do um sitting on you know sitting on the sofa together like cooking together um and obviously like easing up the activity level depending on where you're where you are in your cycle and how you're feeling and keep the more adventurous things and more active things to the phases where you're feeling a bit better I think another thing that I found I find helpful when I do it but I don't necessarily do it enough, is creating some time for yourself after you've had a social activity. So 
say you've had like a late night out, have you booked brunch for 10, 11 a.m. the next day on Sunday? So say you have a late night out on Saturday and you know that you might have a few drinks and your bladder's going to be burning and your pelvis is going to be inflamed and your endo is going to be flared up and you're going to be really, really tired, but you've booked a brunch for 10 or 11. Fair enough. Sometimes these things do just happen, like it's someone's birthday or someone's in town and it was the only time you guys can meet up. But if you can, just get really honest with yourself about what you need to do to recharge. Because I think I do this quite a lot. I will say like, will think, oh, you know, I'm out of my menstrual phase now, so I can just book things in and then I have a really busy weekend and I don't even think it's a busy one. Like I'm seeing a friend all day on Saturday. I get home quite late. Then in the morning I want to spend some time with Chris. So we go up and go for brunch and then we might go for a walk and then I'll come home and study. Um, and then I might have to do some work on the podcast and I will think that it's not a huge day because I had a chilled morning with Chris. But what I really needed was just a morning in bed. And it can suck, right? Because you want to do some more. You want to do more and it's a blue sky out. But what I found in the long run is that if I don't do that, I end up losing days and days and days anyway because I get really, really burnt out and I'm exhausted and then I can't do anything at all. So just kind of understanding when you might need to spend some time recovering can be really helpful. And one thing that I am really bad at and I am trying to get better at and um, I think I do need some support with is creating boundaries around work and social life. So being like, no, I'm not going to work on, I'm not going to work late on Friday night because Friday night is going to be me time and I'm not going to book anything in on Friday night either because I need to recharge on a Friday night after a week at work. That's what I have to do in order to be energized for Saturday to see my friends. And on Saturday, I do spend time with my friends and that's precious time with my friends or my family or whoever you want. I'm just, you know, making things up. And that's a boundary. Like work doesn't, doesn't interfere with that. Okay. Maybe every now and then something comes up, you have to work a weekend. But in general, that's really precious time. You're not checking your emails. You're not taking work calls, etc. And then maybe Sunday is that time that you block out for your family or your partner. And you're like, I'm, I, I can't do, you can't see your friends that time. These, maybe you don't need as strict boundaries, but I think for me, I really need to create some solid boundaries around work. And I think I need to get a bit stricter with my boundaries around my menstrual cycle because I find that I sometimes say yes to things in my menstrual cycle to friends because I feel guilty and I really shouldn't have done. And then when it comes around to it, I'm just not able to be present. I'm in pain, I have to cancel, I have to go home or I suffer for it for weeks on end. And I really do mean weeks on end. I'm like fatigued, I'm brain fogged. And so I think just creating some boundaries 
makes you it's a bit more black and white you don't have to deliberate over it you're like no like I can't do that time this is obviously where it's helpful to have people that you are honest with so they understand what you're trying to do because you can't be a good friend when you're depleted you know it might be explained to them like I have to stick to a couple of certain times of seeing you in order for me to be a good friend I don't want to show up feeling resentful or bitter that I've dragged myself out of bed to be here for you um in this moment I would have been better off if I stayed in bed and had a phone call with you you know maybe it's about trying to work out where you're able to compromise maybe it's like you are cool with being you know you could do a phone call but you can't jump on a train and travel an hour into London to go drinking that weekend and I know that some of us have found ourselves in a space where our friends are very few or non-existent because perhaps endo has isolated us from people and I definitely have lost people over the years they've just stopped asking me to come to things and to do things um and if that is you then I've been there and I felt that sense of loneliness um but there are online communities that are cropping up. And um, so I recommend joining something like Tide Gal, um, where you can actually be at home and be part of a community who are interested interested in knitting or painting or photography or health, or you just want to have a general chat and they have like live calls and they have like online calls where you're just typing rather than face, you know, um, video. Um, so trying to find an online community can be really helpful. Be mindful of endometriosis specific forums because those can be occasionally quite negative and share kind of like the worst case horror stories. And that might not be the healthiest place for you. There are obviously communities and meetups that you can go to physically that are endometriosis um, specific. So Endometriosis UK hold ones across the country. You've got Everything Endo LA um, in LA, of course, and have a look at what else is in your area or your country in terms of meetups and start one. Start one if that if you don't have one. Or if you don't want to go to something that's endometriosis specific, um, but you want to do something low key, it's a bit gentle. Could you go to a once a month book club or join a virtual book club online? I'm going to link to a couple of these uh, that I've spoken about, including I think they're called Shelf Help. And that's about book reading self-help books in a virtual book club. You know, just getting really innovative innovative with thinking about how you can connect with others and then another thing that's not entirely connected to social life but going to something being a part of something that makes you feel joy because I think when there is a lack of connection and interaction with others there can often be a lack of joy so something that really brings well a couple of things that really bring me joy is the Rob Bell podcast, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text podcast, and attending Shiz Lost Control workshops. 
I haven't been to She's Lost Control workshop in a long time because it's in London and the classes are often in the evening and I would miss my train home by the time they finished. Um, But I am keeping a lookout for like their weekend things. Yeah, those brought me so much joy and I have met people that I've stayed friends with there. But also there are people that I connect with in that moment, in that class that I feel so much love from and so much acceptance from and we share really intimate experiences together because that's kind of what she's lost control of is about a lot of it's like deep soul work and it's really special but then and they hold space for me in that moment but then afterwards we leave and I might see them again at other workshops and I might not but it's such a safe space for me and I love the girls who run it And I love the whole vibe and it just, every time I go there, it just fills me up. And it's the same with listening to the Robcast and the um, Harry Potter and the Sacred Text podcast. They bring me joy and I feel part of a community and it's lovely to kind of be a part of a discussion that's happening online. Um, And then I, you know, I attend their events when they're here in the UK and then I get to see in real life these people, all the people who are listening like me. And it just feels even if I'm not talking to them, you just feel part of a community. And especially with these podcasts, there's so much joy in the room. It kind of vibrates through you Um, and they create real memories in my mind and remind me of how good it feels to be around people and to be a part of something. Another really simple um, thing to do that Jenna Kutcher suggested, and actually I think someone else suggested, but I can't remember who, is just doing something nice for a friend. Even if you can't physically do something like um, active, like take them for dinner or whatever, could you send them flowers? Could you send them some chocolates that you know they really like could you um surprise them in a really nice way um I don't know what it is you're gonna know your friends but just if you have the money could you you know you can't physically go and see them but you could send them some flowers um so just trying to think about different ways or write them a handwritten letter and post it to them you know that kind of thing I don't really feel like this applies to me much, but I feel like it applies to a lot of us in society. Getting real with how you're spending your time. How much time are you spending scrolling on Instagram or Facebook stalking when you could be calling someone or WhatsApping someone or Zooming someone? Really, catch yourself when you're doing it because most of the time... That scrolling leads to comparison anyway, and it doesn't often lead you to feeling good. And it creates the illusion that you're in touch with someone because you see what's going on with their life. But are you? Are you really in touch with someone? So instead of looking at your friend's Instagram page, can you WhatsApp them in that moment? Were you going to spend 20 minutes scrolling aimlessly on Instagram when you could have WhatsApp someone? 
I don't know what the situation is like for you. Maybe you don't do that. Maybe you don't have the time. But just having that awareness, it might create a trigger for you so that when you do start doing that, you're like, oh, could I actually WhatsApp this person? Obviously, this is quite, you know, clear, like calling someone if you have the time or the energy and not just calling, but FaceTime and Zoom in makes such a difference to see a friend's face. And that's something that me and my best friend have taken to doing recently. Um, we've both got really busy schedules and now we're living in different towns or different cities entirely. So um, we've started trying to book some time into Zoom. And I guess I just want to wrap up with, you know, like something that never really occurred to me, to be honest. Relationships take effort. And I know it does feel like everything takes effort in life with endometriosis. But just like our health and work, they are essential to our well-being, but they they also need to be maintained and they're not just going to If we're not taking that active time to maintain our relationships, they're not just going to exist. They are going to not necessarily fall apart, but they're just not going to be as full and vibrant. And there are going to be friends who get it and who you don't see in six months. And when you see them, it's like nothing's changed. But also, if we're not taking that time to book in that catch up every six months, or we're not taking that time to voice note them every now and then or send them a text every now and then they're not gonna be what they once were and it can lead to them you know becoming distant and I think that's the same in our romantic relationships as well because we live with someone I know that I'm guilty of this because I live with someone because he's around when I'm working really hard on my career and on my work um, and on my health I'm assuming that he gets it and we're going to be fine. But that's not really the reality. And the quality of my romantic relationship is not as strong as it once was. And I've written an article about that, so I will link to it. And again, this isn't about beating ourselves up. Like, I don't know if I know the answer to not beating ourselves up with this, but we are doing the best we can. I know you're doing the best we you can. And I think it's about maybe... Where can we make room in what we're doing? Can we change something up? Can we drop something? Can we tweak things so that we can make a little room for these relationships within doing the best we can? I don't want you guys and I don't want myself to get burnt out trying to be the best person to every single person in the world. I don't think that's necessarily realistic. So maybe it's about being mindful of who we're showing up for and what relationships we really want to nurture. We will, we have to be mindful of it and how it's affecting us. So if you feel like you're starting to burn out, maybe step back and work out and reassess. They do take some effort and it doesn't have to be huge. It could just be a text. It could just be a bunch of flowers. It could just be a card. It could just be a 10 minute Zoom call. Um... It's good for them, but it's also good for you. I don't want your life to just be about avoiding inflammatory foods and scraping by. I want you to have vibrant, loving relationships. And I want myself to as well. 
sometimes it is about acceptance and being like, do you know what? This season in my life, I don't have time to see people every all the time. And maybe it is about accepting that and letting the people that you love the most know and doing what you can within that. Maybe that's just the odd call here and there or odd phone call or saying, do you know what? I'm super flat out this month, so I'm not going to be able to see you. But please know that I'm thinking about you and I will call you when I can. And just being really honest. Just because you have endometriosis doesn't mean that you don't have to have connection and interaction in your life. And I don't think I've talked about that that much on the show. And I just really wanted to share that message because it is something that I'm struggling with. And it's something that I haven't really spent time addressing in the past couple of years. And um, I want more joy in my life. I want more love in my life. Um, So I am in the midst of it. A lot of, I don't know, self-help experts will say, don't share it until you have the answers at the end of it. But I'm not at the end. Um, I don't know if with endometriosis you're ever at the end. Maybe it's just it's about continuously being mindful and working through it. But I wanted to share this with you now because I'm starting on this journey and um, I want to share that journey with you. So let me know how you get on whether you're going to make any changes, whether you are also struggling with this, what tips do you have? Yeah, DM me and um, I hope this was helpful. If you want to find out more about what I do or read more on endometriosis and living well with it, um, you can head to my Instagram page, which is this underscore endolife. Um, You can head to my website, which is www.thisendolife.com and you can also get um, a free guide to managing endometriosis naturally on my website Um, I've put the link in my show notes it's a beginner's guide to getting started and all of the areas that I um, have worked on to help reduce my endometriosis symptoms and pain and live well with endometriosis as always if you like this show please rate review and or subscribe really truly does help others to hear the podcast and hopefully will help them to live better with endometriosis this episode was produced by the pod farm whether you're an established podcaster or just getting started visit thepodfarm.com to see how they can help you go from an idea to a finished show that's ready to be heard by the world